0: name is Casey Musk. I'm the owner and founder of Citizen Yoga, and you are listening to After Class. After Class is our podcast where we interview our teachers, people in the community, and anybody who's really interested in furthering the effort to help our mental health crisis across our country and across our world. One of the things about Citizen, and I think that this really speaks to the theme of today's podcast is we really pride ourselves and continue to do better in being inclusive. We define being inclusive as disarming, discomfort, make space for all voices, we say hello and introduce ourselves first, and we speak to the room. Our guest today is one of our wonderful teachers, Chris Warnack, and he is, had moved just from Cleveland and now he's back to being a Michigander. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm really
1: excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Um, So before we get deep into some of the themes that we talked about, particularly around belonging and inclusion, um, how did you find Citizen? Citizen? Um, I'll ask you easy questions. Yeah, that's good. Get you relaxed (laughs) and warmed up. I told Kayla on our last podcast, like, just give yourself five minutes and then you'll just... Yeah, I can
1: definitely feel my, like... like
0: vibe Yeah, I need
1: to breathe a little bit. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do the yoga thing that we talk (laughs) to people about.
1: Um, So, when I left Michigan, Citizen was not a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually took Anne Fancy's classes at um, the studio that I practiced at. Um, And so, like... Citizen just didn't exist, so when I would come back, I'd go back to the studio that I was used to, or a couple other studios that I was familiar with, but I had, like, heard about Citizen, it was, like, in the in ether. the ether, yeah, it was, the like, the around ether. me, and then when I finally moved back a year and a half ago, um, I went back to the studio that I started with, and yeah. was teaching there, Um But I started practicing elsewhere because I wanted to, you know, just get outside of my own box and outside of my comfort. Mm -hmm. And I started coming to your class in Detroit at 5.30 on Monday nights. And instantly I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This Mm -hmm. is great. And I started... um, I'm actually really good at manifesting things. So right away I was like, I'm going to teach here. Like I told myself, (laughs) like, I'm going to teach here. And so I was... But I know as an elder that... If you want to teach somewhere, you need to immerse yourself in the community. So I just started coming to more and more classes. And then I signed up for a 300-hour training with you um, with Citizen. And, um, yeah, that's how I kind of discovered it. Mm -hmm. Like, my friend randomly was like, let's check out Citizen and like okay and then from then on out it was yeah this it felt right
0: it was a mutual stalking
1: yeah good <laughs> it
0: was it was a mutual once i knew who you were he used to go on the right side of the room it, yeah it was on the it was like 65 people sweating <laughs> to death
1: right up against the wall right up, you were always the yeah, yeah you were
0: always the, next to the wall i mean i think that that was like i always find a very obvious um especially when I'm around like who it's like not looking for just even a teaching style. It's really looking for a set of values. That's really like what I'm trying to find in people who end up teaching for us, which is like, what are your, what are your values? What, what is most important to you? So yeah. that's a question, now.
1: What's most important? To yeah. Me. What's
0: most important <clears throat> to you? Because to me, it was it was very apparent. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to hear it from you because I've say, never asked you that.
1: Yeah, community is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly important to me, and that was that is one of the things I really enjoy about Citizen. Like, you came right up to me and you're like, "Hi, who are you? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I haven't met you. Yeah." And I was like, "Hi." You're like, you look familiar. You know, it just was a really natural conversation. And then um, even when I had signed up for 300 Hour, you were like, oh, hey, here's JT. You know, meet this person, meet this person. And it was really nice to, like, interact with other folks and, um, like, really everyone that comes to Citizen. They're such dedicated students, which is really impressive. Yeah. Because um, that's not the case everywhere. Mm-hmm. But Citizen students are really dedicated and really open and really community-focused. So I, I love that. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that philosophy is a backbone of, of Citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, your philosophy class, like, I entered into that. Like, found stumbled upon that. And yeah. really, um, it helped me connect further. Because I mm-hmm. think when my yoga has and is the strongest is when I'm in the work of studying philosophy at the same time. Mm. Um, When I'm just trying to be a teacher and just trying to, like, make a living, it all falls apart for me. Yeah. Um, I
0: I think that that's a universal... If we could put that on a banner in every teacher training. On a
1: t-shirt and sell it. Yeah, just say, like,
0: stop it. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Like, you're going to ruin your experience.
1: And you've said that so many times. Like, don't worry about making money. Just, you know, do your work. Like, do a great job. And it all comes. Yeah. And it's true. Right. It's to the
0: degree that it can, right? Like, I think that that's the biggest thing. is like, you can't expect... A certain job to give you certain wages if you're not going to put in so extra amount of effort you know it's all like your input your input then will equal your output in like a very consistent way
1: yeah um
0: and so you know all of us build from nothing i think that we forget the starting stories of every teacher and that there is us this every person has walked that walk Including myself, right? Like, the zero people, the one yeah. person, the five people were rewalking that walk in COVID. Yeah. You know, but there is a joy. And if you walk in disappointed, it, it affects the energy you're sharing with your space. And so I think that that's part of it.
1: Yeah, and I feel like the students feel That too. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there's a shift in the energy. They're yeah. like, oh, you're not excited to see the, you know, the two of us or whatever. Right. That is kind of the nice thing about COVID and yeah. joining Citizen in the midst of oh, a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Is like, I didn't feel pressure, yes. you know, because you can only have a certain number of people in classes. Right. You know, you can only, um, so it almost felt more comfortable to me.
0: Yeah, there's no um, expectation yeah. of like having to be this big classroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I actually I understand that, and I think in some ways, uh, it's so humbling and also just so relaxing. Yeah, it's like this is it. You're these 15 or 18 people. Like that's all it you. It feels get. more
1: intimate too. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like, you know, let's say like my Thursday usually has 10 or 12 people. Yeah, you know, like I can know everyone. I can see everyone's body right. I can talk to everyone directly right. which is something that you you know becomes harder in big classes when classes get packed.
0: I think that that's where you really this is such a beautiful time in our studios history. Please replay that to me (laughs) over and over again. I can't believe that that came out of my mouth. Um, uh, You're responsible for that. I will. Okay, okay. thank you. Um, But, you know, not everybody gets the opportunity to experience Citizen, how Citizen was when we first opened. And one of the reasons that I can see everybody in a room is because I'm not seeing all new faces. I'm seeing, like, their lifetime of their practice with Citizen. And so when I see you, it's like I've memorized your habits mm-hmm. your body your like your tendencies your energy so it's so much easier to then accommodate for five more people yeah. or 10 more people because i know each person so well and so that's the opportunity that you have
1: and that's so not just talk because the <laughs> things that you tell me are so consistent yeah. <laughs> like oh my gosh deeper come on move your knee let's deeper <laughs> lunge you can do it turn open you know so yeah you do see our our work which is totally it's really refreshing mm-hmm. like i really do feel seen by citizen that's you awesome know?
0: that that's like our that is definitely a mission for sure so I guess you, you brought something for us, which, um, I, I sometimes do these like little surprise and delight exercises, you know, the other day in Detroit, um, oh, Chin, I believe her name was Chin. She, I, I had introduced myself again cause I hadn't seen her in a long time. She was like, you know, I've only been in one of your classes, but you brought us oranges. And I remember it. I'll remember it forever. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, I like, love people bringing fruit. love a little fruit. treat. Yeah. yeah. I love bringing fruit for people or, you know. And so sometimes in the beginning of classes, um, maybe I'll do it this week, um, reminds me that I'll bring like a little exercise yeah. for everybody So, yeah, let's talk about your exercise. Yeah, so it
1: it was right in January of this year before, you know, the world exploded. The apocalypse. (laughs) The apocalypse. And you gave us these cards for the beginning of the year, and it was three lines. What are you, what is your reckoning? Hmm. Um, What are you letting go of? And what are you allowing? Mm -hmm. And... You know, I remember sitting there and just being like, oh my God, this is so intense. (laughs) This is so intense. I feel like
0: that's such a me thing. It's like, I just met you. Now let's talk about your whole soul.
1: Yes, exactly. It was, I mean, it was a little nerve wracking. Great. But it's been so important to me. So my reckoning for this year was uh, a reckoning with material success Mm. and my expectations of what success is or success looks like. Mm. Um, And so... For me, a lot of the letting go is letting go of outside expectations, mm. um, of me trying to uh, live a certain way or trying to exude a certain energy or success to kind of cover up for insecurities that I feel. Mm. Um, which I do think relate really is related to like my sexuality as well, right? It's like, yes. You know, I'm and I'm also a cancer, so it's like these. Well, I don't layers know what that shell.
0: means, but yeah, <laughs> okay. I know you're a crab, right? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah.
1: So a hard outer shell. Okay. So like a lot of, you know, I do build up a lot of walls, like a lot of protection. Okay. You know that is that is my work to like let go mm. of those barriers, and then so what I was trying to allow in is like a ba- finding a balanced happiness, mm. and um, COVID made that like, force that to happen for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I lost my job. Mm. Um, That was already, like, I came to work for a startup, and it was already, like, rocky roads for the Mm -hmm. first year that I was here. Yeah. Um, And so this expectation I had of success, because I was a chief marketing officer Mm. in Cleveland. Like, really successful, really great job. And I left that, like... Because I needed to come home. I missed my family. I had been gone for almost 10 years. I wanted to be back in Michigan. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to mm. trust this startup. And it fell apart a little bit. And I rebuilt myself last year. And then this year has been, like, big so, explosion. Yeah. And, like, forced me to, like, face all these things.
0: Yeah, like, reckoning, um, the definition is, like, to settle like settle your account, sort mm. of. And the other part of it, so if you're listening, is, like, writing out, like, well, what is this thing that you're reckoning with? And then um, what are you letting go of? And then I think that the most important thing, which I love more than letting go of, is, like, what are you going to allow? Mm, yeah. And so what was your statement, again, for allowing?
1: I'm allowing myself to find balanced happiness.
0: Mm, what does that mean?
1: For me, that means um, not overworking hmm. and not putting too much effort into one thing or the other, mm-hmm. um, not putting all my eggs in one basket basically. Right. Like my happiness isn't only dependent on my job. Yeah, My happiness isn't only dependent upon my relationship. My, uh, my happiness yes. isn't only dependent upon my yoga job. Yeah, You know, it's like you have to split that all up. That way if one thing falls A little bit apart, you don't fall apart. Yeah. You know, like you're able to maintain some level of happiness. You know, you're able to hold on a little bit while things even back out. Yeah. Because life is not even keeled. Yeah. Even without a pandemic, you know.
0: I think that's interesting because that's sort of what, um, I don't think I do that very well. Like I balance my happiness on other things. But I think that my happiness, my, like, I have just, well, I have three buckets, but really, maybe four, but really, Citizen has been such a big bucket, maybe to, to a point of yeah. fault, because I just love it so much, and yeah. it just, like, drives every bone in my body. Um, but I think that that's a lesson that I've learned this year, it was, like, that's a similar thing in yeah, a more if, painful way.
1: Because think about it, if like, all of your right. happiness was dependent... Upon citizen, even if most is. But if all of it was, right. this like, year would have destroyed you and yeah. you wouldn't have been able to survive right. and build back citizen. Yep. You know? But you had these other buckets to rely on right. to give you some happiness that you right. were able to move through. Poor Adam. Poor Adam. Poor Adam. <laughs> poor Adam. These patient people in our lives. Oh,
0: my God. <laughs> Seriously, poor Adam. No, I think that's really beautiful because you, you had mentioned that, you know, trust is a big part of, I don't know, you're, you're balancing your happiness. Yeah. And so uh, I think this year is a huge year of trust. And mm-hmm. it it's hard because a lot of our, at least my, maybe I should just speak for myself, a lot of my joy also comes because I'm much more of a future thinker. That's my nature. You know, our four leadership styles. Yeah. I, I'm going to get more going to do their four leadership styles, but their are four leadership styles, amiable, driver, analytical, and expressive. And expressives live very far into the future. And so I think that uh that's something here that you have to get super dark deep and rooted into the present yeah. moment that's the requirement of 2020 yeah and if you're not in the present moment then again it goes back to like what could you really trust yeah. in our trajectory and like there's only so many things you can trust your own effort yeah. you know your intentions your actions you put into in the past and like that's it yeah. That's it. That's, I think that before we took for granted the trajectory of our lives, our yeah. country, our everything. Yeah. So, you know, we never thought that this would be where we were.
1: Yeah. And that's, like, I'm also a future thinker, but for a different reason. Uh-huh. Like, I'm... um I'm a worrier and a planner. Uh-huh. Like, that's kind of who I yeah, am. I'm
0: a worrier and a non-planner. That's even more yeah. confusing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh, just
0: like a ship I without think, a map. Yeah. Okay.
1: Does that no, mean you ahead. have more faith, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Um, go
0: ahead. Yeah.
1: So, um, a lot of my work this year has been, like... Coming back to the present, yeah, you know, and stopping, trying to figure out what the future is going to look like. And, oh, these are the 20 different paths and thinking down every single path and every different scenario. It's like, just stop, you know? Yeah. And like, I have forced myself to stop this year Yep. and I, I actually feel the most balanced I think I ever have in my life. That's great. I am like, I am in a really, really great place. Great. Um, you know,
0: yeah, 38
1: years later, so you how know, how does that,
0: how does that, um, like come into your teaching? Like when you are teaching a class, like, what are some of the things that people can expect from that experience? Like, what, what is like your, Offering. Everybody has their own offering. You can say it's universal, but it it isn't
1: actually. It's not. No, it's definitely not. You're definitely going to get jokes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're going to get some levity in my class. That is who I am by nature. Like I don't think we should take things as seriously as we often do. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I don't take yoga seriously because I I really do. Yeah. You know, like. I really care. Like, you've seen my notebook. It's insane. Like, I write out every detail. And I write out, you know... I really think about how I'm putting together a class. But I want to make sure that while you're there, you can get out of your head a little bit. And so, like, if you giggle, if you laugh, if you... Like, I feel like that's really helpful. Yeah. You know, people need to just shrug off life sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know? Todd, Todd uses that technique quite a bit. Like he has the same jokes and him and I always joke about <laughs> his same jokes. And you know, one of the things he says is like, it just, it works to lighten the mood. So like people yeah. just like can surrender a and little so- bit more. Yes.
1: And soften their yeah. edges. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think, you really get in my class is a sense of um, empathy for yourself first Mm -hmm. and and then for others. Because I really think um, a lack of empathy is is one of the biggest problems Mm -hmm. that we're facing as a country, as a world. Um, And I really do think it starts with having empathy and care and compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you hate who you are and you hate your life, oh my gosh, you can't have love or compassion for someone else. Not at all. Right. Um, How could you?
0: No, I agree. You
1: know, so you have to, so in class it's, you know, yes, maybe you need to modify, but understand why. Right. um, And approach it from a place of like care for yourself. Mm -hmm. Not because, you you know, you don't want to do the work, but because you need to modify or you, you know, that's what is calling for yourself.
0: Yeah. So, like, is there a deeper seed to why empathy is one of those bigger themes?
1: Um, That's a really good question. Um, I think maybe it's like growing up as a gay man and not Mm. being understood by people Mm. is probably why. Um, And I would say at a point in my life while I was hiding or trying to deflect, I probably was not as empathetic as I am today. Mm -hmm. I probably was not as kind as I was today. And so I think there's a reckoning of that in my life, or there was at some point where I realized, oh, I've spent all this time kind of deflecting and maybe um, casting nastiness on other people. Um, Let me now figure out how to have some love for myself so I can have love for other people. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I've learned this let me help other people, Learn you know? Yeah.
0: Journey that way. Yeah. You know, okay. There's two thoughts that I have, but one, I just wanted to read cause you brought the book from our philosophy course, We're um good citizens. And one of the um, passages that I did not highlight, but I highlight the whole book. Uh, so <laughs> that's the irony of my highlighting <laughs> is that I just highlight the page and then talk about it. Um, which he says, um, Peace, love, and happiness begin with ourselves. The suffering we see out in the world is reflected in the suffering, fear, and anger inside. So when we take care of ourselves, we are taking the first step toward taking care of the world. And I think that really summarizes... Some of what you were talking
1: about. Yeah, okay. I actually think I highlighted that in my book. I, I, mean, exactly. <laughs> I did highlight that yeah. one. That's um, funny. That is 100%. I actually really resonate with this book. I, mm. I really enjoyed this book. Yeah, um, But yeah, that's exactly it.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like there's just... We're faced too often with negative images of ourselves or, um, yeah. you know, you see these, these glowing examples of like what you think your life should look like and how everyone else looks and behaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you hate yourself. Yeah. You know,
0: it's interesting that one of the topics we covered this morning is the topic of how suffering, um, depends on your perception, not on what you're looking at, yeah, but it's how you're looking at it. And I think asana, and, and I think citizen as a community, hopefully, I mean, the intention is this, of course, you know, nothing's executed perfectly, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but that's really what we're learning is that it's not the thing. Yeah. It's, it's how you're seeing the thing. Yeah. And if you're in your own head, it's like, how are you seeing your own body? Yeah. How are you, what thoughts are you having around your own self?
1: Yeah. Cause everything could bring you pain. You know, like everything, traffic, oh, traffic's bringing me pain, you know, like everything's suffering. I have to drive. Oh, my paycheck was $20 less. Like literally everything could cause you pain if you let it, you know, if that's the perception that you take. Yeah. Um,
0: And so there is a difference between what we were talking about is there's a difference between pain and suffering. And they say in Buddhism, which I'm not a Buddhist, but um, we're just covering some texts which is pain is a choice and uh, suffering is a choice and pain is inevitable and pain really we're thinking about the transition of our body like mm-hmm. what is happening in our physical body like that is a physical experience and that can be painful yeah. but how we experience anything yeah. the level to our suffering is yeah. um and I think that that's part of I don't know I'm, I'm I didn't come out But maybe that's part of sort of that rebirth portion of first you thought your perception was, oh my God, why did this happen to me? Why is this my, you know, mountain to climb? Yeah. And then you reframe it to seeing something different. Yeah. uh, Realizing that it's not a cause. It's like how you were looking at it was creating your suffering or how other people look at it also creates their suffering. So can you sort of... I don't know when, if you want to talk about it, but I don't know when your, like, actual coming out happened or, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I came out to myself, like, I figured it out when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. Um, That's when I, like, figured it out. Now, when I was, like, in kindergarten and first grade, like, older kids would make fun of the way I sounded or the way I acted and would call me gay, but I had no idea. You know, I just had been picked on that whole time. Oh, it sucked. Uh, It sucked. It was painful. Yeah, it was terrible. Imagine being, like, Uh. five and six years old. Like, I still remember Mm. that, you know? Totally. Um, But it wasn't until sophomore year. I actually had a girlfriend at the time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and, um, I mean, it was a very, like, not good relationship. Like, um, you know, it was just silly high school. You know, whatever. Um, but all of a sudden, like, I what had happened is I found out that a friend of mine was gay who I didn't know, mm. and a lot of my I'm not gay was related to that person not being gay, my friend Jeff. I was like, Oh, I'm just like Jeff, and he's not gay, so I'm not gay. Oh, that's And then I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I found out he was gay, and I was like, Oh my god,
0: I'm gay, I'm gay.
1: Oh <laughs> <Yeah. my God>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but isn't it so interesting, like, that you can learn things? You can see things from outside of yourself. I think that that's one of the hardest things about mental health. Yeah. It's like you can't physically see your thought. You can't physically see your yeah. emotion. And so you can't always identify it. Yeah. Like you don't know how your perceptions are creating your suffering because you can't actually see right. that. Right. It's just this like inherent lens yeah, that you're I trying didn't, to change.
1: Go ahead. I mean, I definitely was like distraught, but I didn't know why. You know, like okay. I knew I didn't fit in, but I didn't know why. Yes. And this was like. It really was an aha moment, but also like an oh shit moment. Yeah. Like, like both that clarity and that, oh crap, like this is now, I got to face this. Yeah. So then I didn't, so then I kind of just, my friends knew, my family did not know. until. So you
0: I, told your friends.
1: Yeah. I told my friends in high school um, and my friends were cool. They were really cool. Um, but you I didn't High tell. school. I went to Notre Dame, all boys, Catholic high school. No, it doesn't even exist anymore. It was in Harper Woods. Okay, um, related to Notre Dame prep, but all boys, Catholic high school, torture. All boys and being gay was rough. It was very stressful. Like every day, I was like, "You're
0: hot." How can
1: I? Not even that, but like, how can I just pretend to like fit in here? How can I like, you know? it definitely toughened my skin. Yeah.
0: But it, that's part of what you were saying that you have to build down. It's yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Because it was every day. Sorry. It was like layer. It take down. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, layer, layer, protection, protection, protection. Like that's mm. where I got like tougher and kind of a little bit mean at times, you know? Sure. Like because that's what it took. Like you had to be tough to like withstand that. Mm. And I didn't have parents I could turn to. I mean I had parents I could turn to but I didn't. I worried, you know, I couldn't tell them I was gay. I, like, couldn't turn to them. Why? Um, I was afraid of their, like, how they were going to react.
0: Because they're Catholic? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, my dad's, you know, a hunter and former Marine and, you know, tough and, Masculine. you know. Masculine yeah. in yeah. quotes. Yeah. And I had a brother who, half a brother, who is. <laughs> mean, <laughs> uh you know who's tough. I hope he doesn't
0: listen to this. No, I'm just kidding. He can I, listen.
1: He can listen. Um, maybe it'll bring some awareness for him. But yeah. um who's who ha- had been really kind of tough on me growing up was not mm-hmm. like an older brother I could look up to. You know, mm-hmm. so I really had to seek out these friends, like, and create a family of, of friends that supported me. Mm. And then I finally came out to my family when I was uh, like 21. Um, I left them a note while they were up north, and they came back to it, and, you know, that was a whole shit show. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, though, because you say, like, your brother is sort of rejecting, and I think that when somebody's rejecting of something, um, it's, it's more just fear. Yeah. It's fear of... You know the things that you believe. It's like it's, it's so like it's so tough to def- identify. And this might take us down a different path, so I want to stay on this. But the difference between like a belief and truth, yeah, and how we differentiate those two things. Um, well, I, I, we're, I'm not going to veer down this. I'll write it down. But the the idea of like how belief and truth, especially in the yoga industry, yeah. in your own inner being, like how, where do those things meet? Because so many people think their beliefs are truths.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. Uh, like, how do you identify those? Yeah. Um, so that's just something for us to dig into.
1: No. I, and I think that's really interesting, actually, for both of these reasons. One, like when I came out, the thing my dad said to me was, um, I'm just, uh, I don't think that you're going to have a future. Hmm. I'm sad that you're not going to have a future. I'm afraid you're not going to have a future. That was his belief. Right. That, like, I wasn't going to have a family or I wasn't going to whatever it may be, Mm. you know? That was his belief. It wasn't true, but that imprinted on me.
0: I was about to say, how did that impact you? That's
1: what turned me into, like, oh, I have to be successful. Yeah. I can't fail. Mm. Because I had to prove to my dad, I Mm. had to prove to my family, I had to prove to everyone that I was worthy of love, Mm. that I was worthy of existing, Mm -hmm. um... Because that's the message from everyone. Politically, that was the message. Mm-hmm. Gay people couldn't get married. On TV, that was the message. The only gay people you saw were, like, Will and Grace. And Will wasn't <laughs> even gay, you know?
0: Like, yeah.
1: You, there wasn't the same representation that there is today, yeah. you know? And then Matthew Shepard. Like, I was in high school when Matthew Shepard was murdered. Oh. And, um... Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. And, um... That was a terrifying moment because it was sure. like, oh my God, I could be killed for being gay. Yeah. You know, like, so like the messages that I got growing up was like, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Right. Um, You know, so it, it took a lot, you yeah. know, and many years to get to this point where I'm like, oh, okay, no, I am worthy, you know, uh, of love. I am worthy of care It's regardless. Uh,
0: there's a quote that I had posted, which I think is a little, it's not a quote that I would typically use because I find it so like typical mm-hmm. um, but I think it's interesting in this context which is often those who criticize others reveal what he himself lacks yeah but if you sort of change what it says to often those um, that act in certain areas reveals what he himself thinks he lacks mm-hmm. so like I was thinking about it in terms of like where I put my most effort probably comes from sort of a similar seed or a different seed but of, like, where I think I lack in my life. You know, it was interesting when I was a kid, my dad used to tell me, because I couldn't fathom, and again, this is privilege, but I couldn't fathom, like, working for something I didn't believe in. That Mm -hmm. was, like, a huge thing for me as a child. Like, how could I work for something I don't believe in? And, of course, we, like, had jobs, but, like, it was so confusing. And so the narrative that I received was, like, oh, you're lazy. Mm. Like, out of my whole family, like... I was the lazy kid. Yeah. And so I think from that seed, I have been like unconsciously working to say like, see, like I'm not lazy, you know, see, look at, and it's so strange. It's not strange. It's so clear (laughs) actually that that's where so many of our actions come from. And part of doing inner work, doing good yoga yeah. work is uncovering that. I'm yeah. I'm so aware of that. That's not like something that it was like an aha moment right now, but it still drives right. some unconscious behaviors that was off, had in common. Yeah. So just what your dad said to you seems to me like,
1: Oh yeah. It just spun me the rest of my life. And here we are being able to articulate, like we've done the work to articulate, what it was that drove our, our, our behavior or yes. to where we are. Think of the millions of people out there that have no idea what's driving their motivations totally. because they haven't done the work, you know, because yeah. they don't they don't have that self-love, that self-care to do the work. Like, yeah. you know, it all goes right back down to, like, what my my goal is. I want people to understand themselves. I want mm-hmm. people to care about themselves.
0: I think one of the things is, like... There's two parts of not getting help. One is like a worthiness piece for yeah. sure, and just like a general fear of what it feels like to have somebody help you. Yeah. Um, I think that there's less of a stigma around therapy. Like blends, who are working with, they're offering free consultations like often yeah. to our staff and to the public, and they're on our they'll be on our digital platform offering uh, mental health segments. But I think that that's part of it is. Uh, like what is that impediment to yeah. getting help and and sometimes it just it's just like a little pride,
1: yeah, oh yeah i did i um I got to New Jersey, that was the first place I moved to mm. outside of Michigan, and I got there, and I was by myself for the first time, really in my mm. life, you yeah. know, no family around, you mm. know really right. far away. yeah, and I was like, there was this moment where I was like, okay. I got to figure some shit out. I got to figure... I'm sorry. I keep on
0: it's fine. saying... It's You can say whatever you lots. want.
1: Um, I need to figure this stuff out. And I immediately found a therapist. And from... The, I've been in therapy yeah, since too. New Jersey... Thank God. Thank God. You know, I'm in uh, EMDR therapy now. Oh, I love EMDR. Uh, oh, my God. It is what I need at this moment in I my life. I love
0: that. That's awesome.
1: Um, so but I've been through about lots EM- of therapy.
0: Cricket, who's going to come on our podcast, and she's going to be on our platform. She just got trained, and she works for Blend Health as well. Okay. She just got certified in EMDR. And we'll talk about that. I Oh, my God. I want to go down some rabbit hole. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> EMDR is amazing. It's
1: amazing. It has been a big unlock for me this year as well.
0: Yeah. If you don't, um, I don't have the definition up in front of me, so I should probably just pull it up. Um, but EMDR is, they use it for a lot of different things. Uh, my, my mom used it, and okay. I'm sure she won't care that I tell the story, so hopefully. Um, eye movement desensitization. Desensi- and reprocessing. That's what it stands for. It's a form of psychotherapy developed by Francine Shapiro starting in 1988.
1: Um, and it's yeah, my, basically it's, like alternating tones in each yeah. ear. Yeah. Um, to and help <laughs> your
0: brain process yes. memories that it can't process. So yeah. it's
1: release trauma that's exactly. built up in the body and
0: okay. So mind. I'm going to, I'm going to Put that somewhere else, because I'll probably talk about it at a different time, about how amazing I think that is. But, you know, when you got to New Jersey, you talked to me a little bit about your yoga experience. And sort of practicing in New Jersey, practicing in Cleveland, and then coming back to Detroit. You know, just what was your experience like, whether it's being a gay man there or just not, or being just a yoga, like being a student. Yeah.
1: New Jersey was great. Like, New Jersey, I think, was, you know, I first really got into yoga here in Michigan before I left, Um, but New Jersey was, like, this big unlock. I actually, like, injured my back really badly and had surgery, like, right when I got to New Jersey, back surgery, and so part of my recovery was yoga in New Jersey, Um, and I found this studio, which doesn't exist anymore. It was called Power Flow. And, um, but they were really philosophical. Um, so I would take these classes where there would be like philosophy woven into it and like literally reading and like talking in class. And I became really attached to that. Like the workout plus being able to connect to something beyond just like a physical practice. So I really, it became like more ingrained in my life yoga at that point. And I was only in Jersey for like two years But at the end of my time, I was moving to Cleveland and I decided to go to teacher training at that point. And so, I actually came all the way back to Michigan for a teacher training. Um,
0: We're not revealing which one. uh,
1: It was, you know... I I took from it what I needed to take from it. And then I went and got more training. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I've done a lot of training on my own to become... Who you are today. Yes, yes. Um, And then, so then I got to Cleveland and I started teaching when I was in Cleveland and I couldn't really replicate the experience because I found a great studio again, like my manifesting skills. I was like, I'm going to teach at this studio and I did and I was successful there. You know, I had busy classes and it was great, but um, I never felt super connected to the space. I always felt othered. It was very, um, Mom centric, I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. Like, I would go to a class and I'd be like, Oh, my kids, this and my kids, that. And I was like, Well, I don't have kids, right. you know, like, so this. why
0: is it relevant? Yeah, this out.
1: doesn't feel relevant to me at all. And I always made sure, like, when I talked in, I, to, to this day, when I talk in class, I try not to be like so uber specific that yeah. I f- that people feel left out. So I always kind of felt, like, a little left out in the space, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I didn't really belong, mm. you know? And talk about not feeling like you belong back in Michigan. Like, I remember taking classes yeah. at, a, at a studio where, like, yeah, some yeah, of the male like, teachers were, like, gross. Y- like, straight up gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know anything about well, that. They would be, like, yeah, hitting I, on girls in I grew, class. Yeah, and, like, I grew up in
1: that. Oh, it was just... And, like, I can't even imagine how you feel as a woman, but as a gay man, I was like, well, I definitely don't belong here. This space is not for me. This teacher is not for me.
0: Yeah. One of the things um, Chris and I have bonded over is um, this thing that – terrible thing. Please, if you're a yoga teacher and you say this or are taught to say this, please X that out of your vocabulary. But – um they call happy baby pose happy boyfriend or husband pose so gross it is so gnarly and it just it 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 strips this like what's the how do we make sacred into that kind of a word but like how sacred yeah. say, fine. Hey, fine, maybe happy baby pose isn't sacred to you, but it, it makes you in a vulnerable position, yeah. feel more vulnerable yeah. in, a, in an area that you shouldn't feel. That's not, this is not the right place. Yeah. And so when we talk about belonging, like what are some things that to you stand out in an, in a space that helps you feel like you belong?
1: Um, I would say the you know, community, like I mentioned. It, like, where people are actually communicating and talking to each other in the space. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a general sense of, like, chit-chattedness. Like, people yeah. aren't just there to work out. Right. Which I would say is the other part. is like, feeling like I belong in a space, it has to not just be a physical mm-hmm. practice. Because um, I, definitely, I definitely have, like, a mixed relationship with my physical body. Sure. You know, I think a lot of... Actually, I think a lot of gay men do. You mm-hmm. know, there's a certain you know, idea of like what you need to look like to fit in in the community. There's a certain idea of what you need to look like to portray masculinity, Mm. you know? So we do have like, you know, uh, can have some messed up relationship with our physical form. So for me, a yoga space needs to not just feel like oh, I'm going in to burn, burn some calories, calories and yeah. bench press. Yeah. You know, like, it needs to It needs to have this other connection.
0: I think that's one of the reasons, and I don't mean to hate on um, this school, but, like, high to low push-up, like, it's fine. But that's probably, the, like, the only reason that I feel like I don't appreciate it at all in a class because it immediately, the, even the, just the word push-up yeah. puts me into a gym. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not... I'm not here for gym. Yes. And it's so funny how language can really, I mean, it's not fun. It's, it is literally language sculpts your experience in a yoga class.
1: Yeah. Um, It, it really does. Um, and I'll say the other thing for belonging is like seeing a reflection of myself. And even if that's not like it it that doesn't mean it has to be like another gay man, Yeah, but like seeing queer folks, yeah. in a space comfortable signals to me that I can be comfortable mm. I'm like oh here's you know a lesbian who's really comfortable here's you know here's this gay guy who's really comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I, but it does make a big difference because it's yeah. like that's a signal to me that it's a safe space you yeah. know like if I know that there are other people like me practicing there I'm like oh okay this is safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, can be, I can be comfortable. I can relax here.
0: That's great. I mean, I think that that, I mean, that has always been my, my hope, but um, it, it's not always easy. Because, again, I think that if you listen to the Paradoxes of the Yoga Industry and uh, my session with Carrie... You know, sometimes you just don't know that yeah. it's not, it's not inclusive. Yeah. You know, not, not for bad intention, just a, a but non-knowing. It's,
1: but it's not like you're going out and you're like, okay, I need four gay guys, right. eight lesbians, yeah. you know, like <laughs> you're not like going a out. A recipe
0: of the, <laughs> right. the diversity that yeah, most, yeah. most, most um, places are now like, all right, let's put in a recipe for right. diversity. Oh,
1: I'm just going to check these. It's not like that. It's just it not for me. It's been like, it just happens. And mm-hmm. that's why I think why it feels safe to me it's like Mm. it's a natural occurrence because you've created an environment where everyone does feel seen and welcomed Mm. um that's really that's really the recipe for belonging yeah just creating a safe space for folks
0: totally you know
1: and then the people will find you
0: yeah you
1: know the right teachers will find their way to your space
0: yeah i mean i one of the interesting things that um we do as we talk before class, and that's something that yeah. you mentioned, and that is actually purposeful. It's not like a, the room's out of hand, and yeah. I have no idea how to control it. It's like <laughs> I'm usually the loudest person yeah. and making bad jokes. Um, but it, it is a way of disarming people's yeah. discomfort, and it's also an acknowledgement that as much as mind, you have an hour plus to be mindful together. Yeah. You know, if you want to have quiet meditation time, I don't mean this in a rude way, go home. Yeah. Like, what are you going to, you're self-realizing Well, somebody's throwing <laughs> right, a mat down right. next to you. like right. you know, Sweating next to sweaty you. Okay. Then, yeah. And so I think that that was something that was really funny. I remember one of the times when we first opened in Cleveland, a woman complained about our eleven fifteen Saturday class because it was so loud. She found it a bit intrusive that our studio is loud before class. Wow. And Which is Okay. I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. Like that's not, we're not the right place for you. Yeah. And that has been sort of this thing of like, that's okay. We're not going to be the right place for everybody. Um, It's more like, this is our mission. Our mission is to teach you how to socialize, how to belong in a group of people that do look different. than I mean, relatively different. We're still working on different.
1: Yeah. I mean, but again, like if you, if your mission is, to try and be everything to everyone, then you're nothing, Yes, you know, then you, yes. <laughs> then you, you completely lost yourself in the mm. sauce, um, mm. of it.
0: So how do you, um, maintain your own identity within when you learn all these different forms of yoga? What has been your technique? Cause um, I think that that is one of the most challenging things to do is, is stay true to yeah. yourself.
1: I, am very lucky i have a very strong sense of self i will say Mm -hmm. um even the training that i took um i remember being there and being told like don't eat meat and don't do this and don't have sex and don't drink caffeine and yeah. and I was like uh-huh. the dreaded
0: caffeine like the how ch- dare and, you and chocolate and I don't, don't know, if you know like, this
1: about me but I drink
0: so much coffee do you I, I love
1: coffee I just like the taste of it yeah I like coffee I like
0: coffee a lot um,
1: but I luckily I'm able to like enter a situation like that and and say like okay sh- I cannot along with you. Yeah. But then make my own decisions. Yeah. You know? And, and I'm I'm blessed in that respect. Mm. So really, like, I take a lot of different trainings, and I take what serves me, mm. and I leave what doesn't. Right. And that follows me literally everywhere in my life. Yeah. As often as I can, I'm like, thank you for that. That serves me. Thank yeah. you for that. That doesn't serve me, but thank you anyway, and I will let it go. Right. And really trying to let go of those pieces that don't relate back to who I am. So... Mm. You know, I've taken a lot of trainings with a very intelligent, anatomy-focused teacher, and I love him very dearly. I think he's absolutely wonderful. Um, But his idea of messaging is different than mine. Right. And, you know, he had spoken about, like, you know, messaging needing to be around the body and the physical. And I'm like, I appreciate that note, not how I feel. Because to me, that falls into the space of, like... You're in PT. You're in PT. You're in a physical, you know, like I need my practice to feel more connected to something. Mm. Um, It's like my church. Yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. My nephew, the one day, I have a million nieces and nephews, and I spent a lot of time with my nephews, and the one day they were going to church, and he was like, are you coming to church with us? And I was like, I am not. I am <laughs> going to yoga. And he was like,
0: I am not. Why are, you,
1: why are you going to yoga? You're not coming to church. I said, well, you know, buddy, uh, yoga is kind of like my church. Mm. You know, and I don't want to equate the two. Like, that's I, not what I'm trying I get to it. do. I, no, no, I get it. But, like, it is my way to connect back to myself and back to my community mm-hmm. and back to my higher. Right. You know, um, when I'm moving and breathing and listening to the philosophy and listening to the message, like mm. that is my version of of understanding the greater truth mm-hmm. to being connected to something higher than myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, if it's not, I, I don't really think of it as a physical practice. Uh, I do for sure. And I think that's where I get stuck is yeah. like, Every school of yoga is so convinced that they're the right school yeah. of yoga. It's like hysterical to me.
1: It's crazy. It
0: is a little. And so, and like, you know, one of the best things I ever heard on, I, th- I might have mentioned this already on the podcast, but I listened to a lecture and the guy speaking on the lecture, he's a, like an expert on Chinese medicine. And he said, you know, a very well-practiced technique becomes anybody's truth. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, you know, how I think of schools of yoga is like, it's, if you're very, very practiced in a really good technique, it becomes your truth. But yeah. does that mean that it's the ultimate truth? Like that—that right. that is where the dividing line is. And so I think there's in our industry, particularly, um, and I and I think I fell into this in the earlier stages of Citizen of like, well, this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. This is right. This is wrong. Yeah. And now I'm much more. I've learned and matured and understand there's a much more fluid and contextual. Yeah. Maybe that's the right word. Contextual reason for certain cues, certain things, um, certain poses. Right. Without it having to be good, bad. Yeah. Our school, their school. Yeah. Linear, nonlinear, like this is right, this is wrong. And so I think that that has been, uh, I think it's a continuous journey of learning for sure.
1: Yeah. There's this this trend of trying to other people in mm. yoga. Mm. Oh, you teach this other kind of yoga. Mm. Oh, you teach this other. Oh, you don't teach right. Well, we only know how, how much we know, mm. you know, and that doesn't make us wrong. It just means we know less or more than someone else. Right. I really can't stand when I get into a yoga space and I'm told, like, this is how it is. Right. This is how it is. Well, you're not in my body. Right. You know? You think you know better than I do how my right. own body should feel. Right. You know? Um yeah, I have really enjoyed your your current training because it is about like fitting within myself. Fitting in yourself, which is yes. has been kind of a big unlock for me in my physical body.
0: Totally fitting yourself, but it
1: doesn't make everything that you've done previously wrong.
0: Exactly, that's the thing. That I think wasn't all wrong, right? And that's where I think um, the space has to come. Yeah, is to make room, make make room for that. Yeah, um, and and I th- and hopefully like revolutionize how yoga communities interact with each other, yeah. including ours. Like, yeah. I mean, I've definitely come a long way in that way, but, you know, how, how do we make space, but also identify that there is relative understanding of sure. the body. Sure, there's There are some good yeses and nos out there. Yeah, I've <laughs> it's certainly been to a class. Feel,
1: yeah, I've know? certainly been to a class where I'm like, this feels unsafe.
0: Yes. And there is that, there is that truth. Um,
1: there is that truth for sure. But you know, when it comes to queuing, when it comes to some of these other things, I mean, it's funny, like as simple as like the terminology that I've had to use between three different States is insane. Yeah. You know, like people call like a low lunge, horse pose. Yeah. Like just all these different things, all the, like fierce pose, utkatasana, chair pose, like Three different things. For the same thing. Yes, in different states. Right. You know, Um, I remember seeing Fierce Pose in Ohio and no, or was it back, I don't know, it was somewhere and someone like giggled. They're like, what is that? I'm like, like, okay, all right, whatever. That's
0: cute. Well, you know, I think that that's, um, you know, learning to live your own truth is, I think, how you get those inklings of being self-sufficient enough to take what you need from a teaching and not making it black and white, because actually the black and white is what drives out your empathy. Yeah. And when,
1: and drives out your happiness.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, absolutes when
1: it has to be one way or the other, how can you ever be happy Mm. when it has to be one way or the other, when it has to be black or white, Mm. how can you have compassion for yourself when you're not Mm -hmm. black or white, when you're not falling in one of these two categories?
0: Yeah. So if there's, okay, as a last sort of wild card question,
1: (laughs) I love wild card
0: questions. (laughs) Um, Is there anything recently like profound that you've written down during philosophy class? (sighs) Um, Is there like one sort of statement or one concept that we've been mulling over and we don't even have to discuss it, just present it to the people listening?
1: It's definitely this idea of like... um, the more preferences you have, mm. the less happiness you'll have. Like, that has guided me a lot these last several months. Mm-hmm. And so I've really tried to, um I've tried to let go of what I think my life should look like. Mm. I've tried to let go of what... um what these ideas that I had of, of what success looks like. It goes back to what we started with my cards. Like, how do yeah. I find that balanced happiness? It's letting go of those preferences and those ideas of what I think it should be. And just being here mm. and being like, Oh, I'm happy. Cause I'm sitting here with Casey. Mm. I'm just, I'm happy cause I'm here, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't, I'm not going to worry about what I'm doing in two hours. Mm-hmm. When I get there, I'll be happy cause I'm there. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, Great. This conversation, like wanting this conversation to go a different way. And if it didn't go that way, I'd be unhappy. Like, that's just craziness to me, but that is really how a lot of people Real think. Function. Yeah. If it's not this way, mm. I'm unhappy. If the class doesn't feel like this, I'm not happy. Oh, you know, my these God. things are all related, I you know? I agree.
0: Preferential practice. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that to me was really profound as well. It's like if you only could taste salt. Yeah. you know, you're like, I only like salt. Well, I do only, I like salt. A lot. But <laughs> if, you, if you only like, if you only liked salt, uh, then you don't realize that, and you won't eat anything without yeah. salt in it, that there's so much goodness. How would you
1: wouldn't even know. Right? You would have no idea. And that's
0: sort of how people are, um, we, we all um, have our own preferences. Yeah. I love that. More, more preferences you have, the less happiness you have. If you could eat one food for the rest of your life,
1: what would it be? Ooh, if I could eat one food. Oh, this is tough. No, okay, not. it's shrimp. It's shrimp. Shrimp.
0: Is that- <laughs> shrimp. Okay. I
1: really enjoy shrimp. Okay,
0: so I So have- I don't eat meat. Okay.
1: Um, I I have high cholesterol, and so like one of <laughs> I shouldn't be eating shrimp, but I have high cholesterol. <laughs> I had high cholesterol, I had high blood pressure, and so like one of the things I did this year was cut out um, Meat uh-huh. from my diet because it forced me not to eat unhealthy foods. Really, yeah. was the driver behind it. So I eat a, a ton of vegetables, but like my one treat is, is like shrimp. I usually buy like shrimp every single time I go to the grocery store. Really? Yeah. I've never. I
0: had only. I've only eaten shrimp once in my life. Yeah. Really. Uh huh.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: And I ate it at Voyager. Have you been to Voyager in Ferndale?
1: Um, I don't think I have. Okay,
0: so they have this peel-and-eat shrimp that's, like, amazing that I I still... I, that was actually the only time I've eaten shrimp, too. Yeah. But it was really excellent. So yeah. Now you have
1: okay, to now I'll there. have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird response, though. <laughs> shrimp. Shrimp. I like
0: that. Shrimp. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I'm so glad that you were here. Thank you
1: for having me. I, I really I appreciate
0: myself. it. And you guys can find Chris um he's at primarily our Detroit studio because he lives on the east side but um is also in Royal oh Royal Oak on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Royal Oak on Sunday. Royal, Sundays, on, Royal yeah. Oak on
0: Sunday and um thanks for listening. We have so many good things coming up. We have our new digital platform releasing, if it's already released, how excellent. And um it's going to be an app starting January 2021. So I think that you did. Did you film yet?
1: Not yet. I'm slated too.
0: You're okay. Good. (laughs) I'm pushing you, too.
1: I will. I'll I'll sweat.
0: Yeah. And so we're going to have an upgraded membership. So you can have unlimited yoga plus um, our online platform, our digital platform, and discounts on wellness. So this is new. Acupuncture and massage as well as um, our retail and teacher training and stuff. So thanks, you guys, for listening. Have a wonderful day.